All right. So tonight we are looking at the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18. This is found on page 800 in your Bibles. The black books in front of you are the Bibles. Page 800 is Matthew 18. And as you know, we've been uh, doing this series on relationships and how do I call someone on their stuff and how do I confess my stuff and how does last week we talked about God and God's forgiveness for us and tonight we talk about our forgiveness for each other. And so we'll be reading uh, verse 21 through verse 35 of Matthew 18. Then Peter came and said to Jesus, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times. Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slave. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I'll pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves, who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him by the throat... He said, pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the word of the Lord. So imagine that it's your graduation day. You've made it. It's a beautiful May morning. You've just finished rehearsal over in the gym. You're walking back across campus. President Leroy sees you. He waves you over. He says, there's somebody in my office who needs to talk with you. You're like, okay. So you follow him into his office and when you walk into the office, you immediately recognize the person standing there. It's the father of your first year roommate. And your gut clenches because you were awful to your first year roommate. You mocked her hair. You teased her about her accent. You and your sweetmates locked her out of the bathroom you made up jokes about her because she didn't understand the cultural references to know that they were jokes. You made her first semester so miserable that she dropped out. 
She dropped out. And now here you are, three and a half years later, standing in the president's office, and her dad is standing there looking at you. And President Leroy says, Dr. Ogaba here is on our board of trustees, and he's here for graduation. But he has something he needs to say to you. And this dad looks at you, and he says, you know that in order to graduate, you need to fill a cross-cultural engagement credit. You were supposed to do that in partnership with my daughter. You were supposed to learn from her. She was supposed to learn from you. That didn't happen. You don't get the credit. You're not graduating. And you think, this, this is so, this, you can't even believe it. You're just stunned. And, and you say, no, please, my, my parents have flown across the country to be here for this day. Like, we have all these plans. You can't, oh, please, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. For, you're right. I was awful to her. I ruined her life. I made it just, I was so mean. I was 18. I was stupid. you got to forgive me. You got, please, please, I, I, have, I have a job. I've already taken a job. I've got to start paying back loans. Like, Please, you have to forgive me. I have to be able to graduate. Everything in my life is riding on this. And you're weeping in the president's office, and you just, you're, you just don't even know what to do. Then Dr. Ogaga comes, and he puts his hands on your shoulders, and he looks you in the eye, and you think he's really going to yell at you. But instead, his face kind of softens, and he says, I see that you're remorseful. You have apologized. I will forgive you. And I will talk to the president and the provost and be sure that you graduate. And you feel the tears and, you know, you're, all, you're just a mess. And despite you being a mess, he just brings you into his embrace. And as he's embracing you, he whispers into your ear, and I'll pay off all your loans. And you think, wait, what? <laughs> what? And by now, you just, you just don't even know what to think. You've been on just this emotional roller coaster like in six minutes. Just like, what is even happening? And then there's rejoicing, and the two of them are like, oh, that's so great. I'll buy this. And they kind of dismiss you out of the president's office, and you're walking across campus like, what just happened to me? I just can't believe it. It was so awful, and now it's so amazing. And, and and you're like halfway down the path, you're heading toward the Fine Arts Center where you parked your car. There's nobody around, and you're looking, you're just walking, and then all of a sudden you see somebody walking toward you, and you think, I can't wait to do It's that person. And the person walks up to you and says, I've been looking everywhere for you. It's graduation, and I can't leave campus without apologizing. I know. It was a while ago. We were sophomores. It was the last day of interim. I told you we were all meeting at this, in, this restaurant for the last night before we flew home, and it turned out everybody wanted to go to a different restaurant, and I never went back and found you, and we all hung out at that restaurant, and you never found us, and you spent the night alone, and I just feel so awful about that whole thing. I'm just... I'm just really, really sorry. And I know it was a long time ago, but 
Would you forgive me? You stand there on the path. And just seeing the person reminds you of the embarrassment and the pain of sitting in a restaurant in a foreign country where the waiter keeps walking up to you and saying, are all people are coming here to this? Yes, you say, yes, they're coming. They're going to be here any minute. And you sit there with the trays of appetizers that no one is coming to eat. You remember how awful it was to be on that plane ride home with all of them talking and laughing about everything they did the night before, and you weren't there. And now here's this person standing before you, bringing it all back up again, asking for your forgiveness. And you hesitate. Why? Why do we hesitate? What is happening in that moment that makes us pull back? Why do we hesitate? What is it about forgiveness that makes it hard? Even when a debt has just been forgiven us, what makes it hard for us to do that for somebody else? Well, first of all, we want the other person to suffer. Like, that person should suffer. That person did something to me. They had a great night. I had a miserable night. They should suffer in some way. Also, where's the justice in this? I spent 88 of my own dollars on appetizers. And you're standing there. You don't even have a Starbucks gift card for me. Like, where's the justice in this? And... You want to hold on to your hurt because your hurt gives you power. And in this moment, you've got power. And if you hold on to your hurt and you hold on to your anger, that means that something significant did happen. Your pain validates that event. And if you don't have pain, does that mean it didn't happen? So you hesitate. We want the person to suffer. We want justice. We want to hold on to our own hurt. See, when we're focused on our own pain and our own anger, those are really strong emotions. And when we cultivate those emotions, it makes it really, really hard to lean into the emotion of relief and joy that we have when we're forgiven. So how do we do this? I mean, really, how do we do this? Because the story obviously is fictional. I'm sorry to say there's no one who's probably going to meet you in the presence office to forgive your debts. <laughs> but every one of us in this room has something. Everybody. I mean, look around. Everybody in this room has something that they need to forgive somebody else for. There's something that still sticks in your memory. Could be that nasty word said to you on the playground. It could be the betrayal of a friendship in junior high. Or in high school, when the person said they liked you and then they asked somebody else to the prom and it was a whole thing. It could be a sexual assault. It could be a parent who had an affair and blew up your family. And then we also have those other things that just 
silt into our souls, just the wounds we pick up in life because of a comment that's racist or sexist or in some way undercuts our political or our religious views, and we just, it just kind of silts into us. You see, the longer you go through life, I'm sorry to tell you this, you will collect more opportunities to forgive. That's what happens. So how do we do this? Well, it's really important to understand what forgiveness is and what it isn't and what it does and what it doesn't do. What forgiveness is, is laying something down that you've been holding close for a long time. Laying down the hurt, the anger, the desire for revenge. Forgiveness says, this person hurt me deeply. But carrying this anger for so long is actually hurting me more. I'm going to lay down my anger. I release this person from my anger. When I see the person, I will choose not to be angry. Forgiveness says this person owes me nothing. I will not wake up in the morning waiting for the emailed apology. I will not expect this person to take responsibility for their behavior. This person owes me nothing. Now, do you feel it inside you? Do you feel the pushback? Do you feel like, but what, uh, wait a minute. What do you mean the person owes me nothing? You, do you know what that person did to me? Of course they owe me something. Yeah. And forgiveness is saying, I lay that down. That's very hard. We want the pain to matter. We want that anger and that sorrow to be justified, to be validated, and holding on to the wound is one way in which we say, my pain matters. But your pain does matter, and not because you hold it, but because God wants to hold it. Your pain matters to the God who loves you and wants you whole and complete. Your pain matters to him. He wants to take it from you. You see, forgiveness is saying, I lay this down into the hands of a loving God because my pain matters to God. You see, God knows what that person did. And God's going to hold that person accountable. You don't have to hold that person accountable. God's got that. Because God is a God of justice. So forgiveness is laying down our wounds into the hands of God. But it does not mean we don't ask for justice. Forgiveness does not rule out justice. Maybe a few weeks ago, you were following the trial of Larry Nasser, the doctor who abused so many children. And there were all of these victims who stood up, survivors now, to say what he had done to them. And one of the statements by one of his accusers went viral because she stood up in the courtroom, Rachel Denhollander, and she said that she forgave him. And then she said she hoped that he would ask God for forgiveness too. 
It's an amazing statement. It's powerful. Google it up. You got to watch it. But she gave him the forgiveness in the context of a trial in which she was a plaintiff asking for justice. You see, forgiveness is the work that she had to do. Forgiveness is an inside job. Forgiveness is I'm going to rearrange the muscles of my heart so that I give this woundedness to God. Forgiveness is an inside job. It's about what each of us needs to do. Justice is a shared job. Justice is a systems job. Justice is the church or the school or the government or the family standing up and saying, we're going to hold you accountable for what you did to this person. That's justice. And we're all part of that. We all need to stand up for other people who have been wounded. Forgiveness is what I need to do in and of my own self. Justice is what all of us get to do together on behalf of those who've been injured. Forgiveness does not rule out justice. Our God is a God of justice. We also need to be clear that forgiveness is different from reconciliation. Forgiveness is you, it's one party. Reconciliation takes two. Reconciliation is you say to the person who hurt you, you hurt me. And the person says, yes, I did, and I'm sorry. I won't do it again. Will you forgive me? And then you say, yes, I'll forgive you. That's reconciliation. And you can decide after that exchange if you want to continue to have a relationship or not. But it means that this particular event that separated you out no longer separates you. And you may need for self-protection not to be in relationship with that person, but it means that this particular thing is done and both of you are free. Reconciliation takes two people. You know what kills reconciliation? Denial. Oh, that really didn't hurt you. That wasn't that big of a deal. You're making a mountain out of a molehill. Denial. The other thing that kills reconciliation, defensiveness. Yeah, okay, but you. Yeah, but does not lead to reconciliation. Yes, and leads to reconciliation. Yes, I did that. And I'm sorry, will you forgive me? That's what takes reconciliation. Reconciliation is two coming together. Forgiveness, though, is about you. And your ability to forgive actually doesn't depend on whether the other person ever apologizes or ever takes responsibility for their behavior. Forgiveness is about you responding to what God has done for you and letting that person go. Forgiveness is about us. And we don't get to opt out. Did you notice that from this parable? Jesus doesn't say, y'all try this once and see if you like it. It's not a suggestion. I mean, the end of this is pretty firm. So my heavenly father will also do to every one of you, that is, hand you over to be tortured. If you do not forgive your brother or sister from the heart, 
I mean, Jesus is saying this is part and parcel of what it means to follow me. You have been forgiven more than you could ever repay, so you need to get really good at forgiving other people. That's the way this works. One author I read this week talked about forgiveness being like breathing. And if we try to hold it in, it also prevents us from breathing more in. So we breathe out forgiveness to other people, and we breathe in the forgiveness of God. Breathe out forgiveness to other people, breathe in the forgiveness of God. This person said, if your heart is locked up so tight you can't give forgiveness, then it's probably locked up so tight you can't receive forgiveness either. Years ago, I was talking with a counselor about somebody that I needed to forgive, and I did not want to do it. Did not at all want to do it. And I knew, you know, because I'm a Jesus person that I had to. <laughs> and, and I was like, yeah, I don't want to do this. And he said, well, here, this is what I want you to do. I want you to imagine a path, and at the end of the path is forgiveness. What you need to do today is not run all the way down the path. What you need to do is turn and face the path and open yourself up to the possibility of forgiving. He said, that's the first step. And he said, and then eventually you take another step and then another one. And I said, well, how do, how do, how do I know when I'm there, when I'm like forgiven? He said, well, you know you've reached forgiveness when you can really wish the other person well. And so I thought about this person living a good life, and I was like, no! <laughs> I don't really want that. And he said, well, think about wellness. When you wish them well, you're wishing them full wellness before the face of God. You're wishing for this person to confess their sin, to be restored to God, to be restored to you, because that's wellness, that's wholeness, that's restoration. Don't you want that for this person? And then I could say, yes. I actually do want that for that person. But that doesn't mean it's easy. Forgiveness is hard. And when we see the other person, or we hear their name, or we have some trigger for the trauma that happened, it can like back us up a few steps. Oh, for Pete's sake. But like everything else you do, forgiveness gets easier with practice. So you actually have to practice it in the little things so that we can do it in the big things. So somebody cuts you off in traffic and you have to be like, I breathe out forgiveness. <laughs> I breathe in forgiveness. The people upstairs are loud even though you told them to be quiet and you say, I release my anger. I release it. Your roommate borrows your mac and cheese. And you release your hurt, and you release your anger, and you release your desire to eat all of his Pop-Tarts. <laughs> you got to practice. We do this because it has many benefits, and one of them is that forgiveness actually is good for us. Like, it's literally good for our bodies. There are psychologists who study this. I have a friend who's a psychologist, and she hooks up electrodes to people's brains, and then she has them imagine scenarios, and then she gathers all the data, and she's been doing this for years. 
And she's found that when people start to live into forgiveness, even by imagining it, their bodies change. They get healthier. Their physiology is better because of forgiveness. Forgiveness actually makes us healthy. Forgiveness brings health. It sets us free. It gives us peace. But those are all like tertiary benefits, right? That's not why you do it. I'm forgiving because I really want to live a long and healthy life. No. (laughs) Jesus says, you forgive because of what God has already done for you. And that's actually why we do the worship thing. It's why we do the worship thing all the time. Have you noticed that on this campus? We love ourselves some worship. And we do it because it reminds us of what God in Christ has done for us. It reminds us of standing in a president's office and moving from you're not graduating to you're graduating and your debts are paid. Like that emotional space is where we need to hold on to because as soon as we go out into the world, the pain and the anger come at us all over again and we need to go back and remember like, what has God done for me? What is the gift of forgiveness? How has this changed my life? We gather here to hear the word and sing the songs and pray the prayers and say the creed and have the sacrament because these are the things that tell the story of what God and Christ has done for us. And the more we remember the story, the more we will live into it, the more we read scripture and pray and talk with each other, the more we remember that we have been forgiven and the more we are able to forgive other people. You see, this is what God longs to see in us. God already knows the joy of forgiveness. He wants us to know the joy of forgiveness. He knows the health of forgiveness. He wants us to know the health of forgiveness. And he knows your pain. And he wants to take it away. Because of what God has done for us, we get to forgive other people. We get to be forgiving people. We get to be different than the culture around us. We get to be the people who lay down our hurts into the hands of God. Is forgiveness hard? Yes. But because of Jesus, we get to do it. And we get to get better at it, and better at it, and better at it until our Jesus comes back and all of our pain is gathered up and he wipes away every tear from our eyes. We forgive because God's forgiven us.